Gotta stash, gotta stash, gotta stash away. Stash what? Stash away. I'm doing the stash away challenge to begin investing. Stash away for retirement, for my kids' education. Sounds like I need to stash away for my first home. You can stash away for any life goal. Just visit stashaway.my or download the Stash Away app to invest part of your salary or direct debit for long-term investment. That's the Stash Away challenge. Stash Away is licensed by the Securities Commission Malaysia. This is a download from BFM 89.9. The business station. Good morning, yo, with Julian Ng. Joyce Go and Sharitz Abdullah on the morning run, and we're taking a look at some of the local biz, uh, local news rather. Yesterday, uh, the official website called My Salam was launched yesterday. Uh, the finance ministry and official from the health, the health minister, in fact, gave a press conference. So, some updates: uh, eligibility checks for My Salam insurance scheme begins on March the first. Uh, this is that this Friday, and uh, the www mysalam.com.my, uh, anyone registered under Bantuan Sarahidob is eligible to apply. Yeah, so uh, those who are aware, I think it's time to spread the word. Uh, just to recap, a free takaful healthcare protection is for the B40 group and according to the es- uh, according to estimates, it would benefit around 3.7 million people where policy hold- holders would benefit from a one-off payment of 8,000 ringgit should they suffer from one of the 36 critical illness uh, illnesses that is, that, ha- that is listed in the website. And uh, in the event, the hosp- hospitalization uh, policy holders will also be able to claim income replacement of 50 ringgit a day reimbursement for loss of income for up to 14 days. Yeah, and coverage began uh, January 1st and beneficiaries can begin making claims from March 1st onwards. I think uh, at the event, Finance Minister Lim Guaning addressed some key concerns people had about My Salam. And, uh, you know, these include whether beneficiaries will be tied to Great Eastern as customers even after the coverage period uh, expires as of five years, uh, Guaning says no. They are not Great Eastern customers. They are customers of the Malaysian government, in air quotes. He also added that uh, other takaful operators may be appointed to administer the scheme in the future. So the one of 8,000 ringgit compensation may not be enough and uh, the 2 billion allocated for this program uh, could be better used to improve the public healthcare system. That's one of the pushbacks that is given to various, uh, given by various stakeholders. And this is what the finance minister had to say about it. I can tell you this, uh, 80,000 also not enough. Seriously speaking, because you talk about the, the health cost is so high. But the point is that we are trying to do what we can. And bear in mind that we are not charging them any premiums. This is given for free. Yes. Yeah, so the 2 billion ringgit seed funding for My Salam was provided by Great Eastern, raising the natural question, what's it in for them? Will they profit from this? Yeah, so Tony Pua denies it. Uh, he insists that they will not profit. As uh, for what is it in for them, the website explains that the arrangement is an alternative proposal compromise uh, for insurers like Great Eastern, which have been facing difficulty divesting 30% of their shareholding to local uh, investors. Uh, that's right. So, uh, but I think the worry is also on uh, privacy and data protection because uh, you're talking about 3.7 million people here. Uh, and if Great Eastern has uh, ac- direct access to this, this data, you know, it's actually this data is very valuable mm. and uh, it's, right. it can represent very good business uh, for them. Anyway, Guan Ng commented on uh, cases in which people are diagnosed with a critical illness and are eligible to choose not to undergo treatment because it's too risky. 
unless it is advised by the doctors, I'll be very frank. Let's say there are terminal cases diagnosed, confirmed at a public facility, and they say that it is too risky to go for treatment, that one we can make a special case. Then they can make an appeal that even though they go for treatment, yes, then we can make that payment. But our assumption will be that when you are diagnosed, you will go for treatment. If you are diagnosed, but you don't want to go for treatment, write in, I'm sure we will be willing to consider to make that payment. But then you will not benefit from the daily rate. La. You only benefit from the one of 8,000 ringgit payment. Yeah, so that was Guan Ying uh, trying to uh, give some clarification on uh, how this 8,000 ringgit can be used. And I think that in a normal insurance case, there are two uh, types of policies, right? Uh, one is the critical illness policy, which is usually tr- tied to a life insurance policy. This is a no questions asked policy uh, where if you get a CI or critical illness, you will get that 8,000. It doesn't matter what you're going to use it for, right? It's, it's a kind of an income replacement or asset replacement policy. That's another policy, which is a medical policy or healthcare plan, whereby uh, the insurer will pay for your healthcare costs directly to providers, right? So I, I think in this case, uh, you know, if it is the right of people to collect 8,000 bucks, uh, they have to do it no matter what they're going to use it for. They can use it as one last bash you know, to, to enjoy their life before the terminal disease catches up with them. That's fine, you know, because it's supposed to be an, a critical illness policy. I think the, the other challenge is that uh, this kind of, uh, whether, whether it's a CI policy or it's a medical plan, it's very hard uh, for the government to administer it. Uh, and, and perhaps, perhaps just in spite of the criticisms, perhaps this is why a, a private entity like G Life or other private insurance uh, providers can come in to help administer this, uh, you know, do all the background checks and so on. Yeah, and another thing I think to look into is, yeah, again, he acknowledged that the 8,000 ringgit will not be able to cover uh, or, you know, would not be you know really enough to cover medical costs right but it's it's a step forward however again to stretch it even further 8000 ringgit means quite a lot if you were to go to public hospitals for example yeah so the the magic number here is 50000 right roughly per year per uh, per claimant because if you take 2 billion ringgit and you divide it, uh, you work backwards. I think the number of uh, 8,000 per person roughly comes up to about 50,000 per person. Now, if uh, a company like GE Life is guaranteeing that uh, you know this amount will be paid out, but if if the uh, number is less for the country, the claimants of uh, critical illness is less for the country, then uh, it might be better for the government to administer this two billion themselves because they would then have the flexibility to uh, sort of manage this uh, to make the money last as long as possible. Uh, no doubt that uh, the, the finance ministry has clarified that uh, you know any balance from uh, the fund will be carried forward on to, uh, to future users. I mean, no doubt about that, but uh, it, it still feels like, um, you know, we need more numbers from a national perspective to see uh, how, you know, how how this will be claimed, how the money will be mm. used up. Because this is, this is for all intents and purposes, a get-out-of-jail-free card for a company like Great Eastern, right? So should Great Eastern spend this $2 billion managing it themselves or should they give the $2 billion to the government? I think that's the main question. Mm, I guess it's because it's all new. Uh, I mean, it'd be good that, if, you know, on the official website, if they have things like... Um, question and answer and I, I think a lot of people have still a lot of questions and it'd be good to go check out the website so that's coming on stream uh, you can check it out uh, www.mysalam.com.my 
Okay, in connection to this, uh, the finance ministry also clarified uh, the uh, four toll roads. And here's an update. The market share of these four highways as a percentage of the urban toll roads is round about just a touch under 50%. This based on toll revenues collected. The toll roads will be replaced by a congestion charge, as we have uh, highlighted over the past mm. few days. Uh, we've been talking a lot about this. Yesterday, Finance Minister Lim Guan spoke about the potential impact to consumers. Initial projections estimate that commuters will save as much as 180 million ringgit per annum immediately with the switch from toll to congestion charge. These savings go straight to the disposable income of Malaysian households. Yeah, the government is also claiming that the uh, taxpayers will save of over 5 billion ringgit in compensation to the toll concessionaires in order to continue freezing toll hike rates, uh, toll rate hikes. Uh, and uh, Litrack, uh, not... Well, Gamuda, they have a majority stakes in all these four highways. Uh, they own about 44% of, uh, sorry, 44% of Litrack, and uh, which uh, turns out, uh, turns own uh, majority stakes in the LDP and Sprint highways. It should be interesting to see how Gamuda stock uh, trades this morning, whether or not it still continue, continues to be impacted by this news flow when it comes to this whole toll, um, Story. It's been ongoing from the weekend. It's been, today we're on Wednesday already and we're still talking about it because it is very real. And, you know, I mean, with uh, the finance minister coming up with this figure, 180 million ringgit per annum, that's the savings for all of us. Yeah, I think the, I, I think that we got to still work out all the math because if you say that uh, you know savings uh, to to the tune of five billion uh, from compensations and one hundred and eighty million to the consumers uh, or commuters, uh, then half Gamuda owns half of the uh, total revenue collected in country. Um, it does seem like uh, you know the the valuation. Uh, and the math uh, does, is not consistent with all these mm-hmm. savings because that would be at least the price that Gamuda is demanding, right? If not more. Now, yesterday, Maybank, Malaysia's biggest bank, reported their earnings net profit for 2018 grew about 8% to 8.1 billion ringgit. Revenue ju- rose just under 4% to 47 billion ringgit. And for the fourth quarter, Maybank saw net profit grew 9% year on year as revenue grew 3% to 12.2 billion. Yeah, and also uh, group gross uh, loans expanded at a faster pace at 4.8% uh, compared to 1.7% previously. The group president and CEO, Dato Abdul Farid Alias, anticipates that the bank loan growth will be in line with the market expansion of 5.15% uh, this year, given external headwinds that will continue to create uncertainties. Well, yeah, Maybank had a record year. seems to be bringing in good numbers, but I think uh, they are quite prudent. They have uh, said that they expect to see um, net interest margin compression this year. Uh, they're seeing competition to remain stiff. So it looks like, you know, it's still going to be a tough year despite uh, record numbers. Yeah, so I think Maybank being the largest bank in Malaysia uh, is a barometer of sorts uh, for a kind of prediction of our future growth in the economy, right? So there have been a lot of talk recently of how things are okay in Malaysia, GDP-wise, uh, there's, there's going to be decent growth, about 4%. But remember that uh, uh, the GDP is uh, sort of a, a real number, which is adjusted for inflation, right? So you have that nominal number minus inflation, and that, then you get the real GDP. But Maybank's loan growth is not adjusted for inflation. It's, it's a nominal number. So uh, it feels as though uh, Maybank is quite uh, conservative or managing its growth quite conservatively mm. because the uh, loan growth number of uh, 4.8% in 2018 and the prediction for this year, 5.15% is just slightly above uh, the GDP number. Uh, perhaps 
you know, this points to that recent deflation report uh, that we see yesterday. I mean, uh, the uh, politicians are saying no cause for alarm there, but it shows that uh, inflation these days are, are very low as well. So the numbers kind of like tie in uh, to the weak inflation and to the GDP numbers as well. Yeah, what I found interesting as well, Jules, is that uh, its net impairment losses for the year also is lower, 20% lower than the previous year. So maybe asset quality is improving. Yeah, um, that's that's good news, actually, mm. uh, since uh, we are all very indebted here in Malaysia. That's right. And, uh, you know, just looking at one more is the, you know, how analysts are projecting the slowdown of loan growth in the banking sector. Um, noted that, you know, average loan growth is projected to be about 5%. Okay, and uh, another financial group has reported earnings as well, but a much smaller one, Hong Leong Financial Group. Net profit fell 3% to 480 million uh, ringgit and revenue fell about 11% to one and a quarter billion ringgit. I mean, just imagine uh, Hong Leong is uh, 480 million, hundreds of millions and Maybank's uh, earnings and revenues into the billions, right? Not a fair comparison because Hong Leong one of the smaller uh, financial groups in Malaysia. Yeah, for the quarter, their profit before tax is about 14.8 million ringgit decrease of uh, decreasing of 4.2 uh, million or, or 22.1 million, uh, sorry, 22.1% due largely to the lower contribution from the investment banking and stockbroking divisions. Yeah, I guess uh, even banks themselves have to figure out what to do with their business models. So, you know, with fintech and all that, you know, and new ways of getting financing, uh, they too have to look into where would their income come from? Because looking at Hong Leong, they saw lower contribution from IB, investment banking and stockbroking divisions. So the non-interest income seems to be... Which are kind of like sunset industries, right? A lot of the banking groups are re-strategizing to address the consumer. And as you say, fintech. Um, looking at uh, business, uh, existential uh, crises at Telecom Malaysia um, due to increased competition and regulatory changes the company uh, sustained a pressure on its earning um, it doesn't look very good for Telecom Malaysia because uh, they reported 153 million ringgit uh, for the financial year of 2018 this is 83% lower than before Yes, uh, so last year government, this is as a result of the government wanting the double uh, internet speed but for lower price and this uh, is coming through with regards to, you know, with regards to the implementation of the mandatory standard of excess pricing uh, which happened sometime in June last year even though it was, uh, yeah, um, it was, uh, I think it came into uh, force in June last year and uh, the price ceiling allows cheaper price for wholesale network providers so I think for consumer, I think all of us have been experiencing a much cheaper, uh, well, slight, well, much cheaper broadband, I'd say. Uh, so, uh, but the hope is that at the end of this, is there will be more sort of subscribers trying to offset, you know, the loss of revenue. Uh, because of the half the price. I got to look at my broadband bill because it hasn't changed. Oh, um, you did? I got, uh, to, I got to look, look my, for the My husband one. straight away went to look at packages and I think we changed our broadband deal straight away. Yeah. Well, looking at uh, telecom, uh, in their fourth quarter, they were hit by a lot actually. So the fourth quarter was quite a, a hit there. Net profit fell 75% to near 70 million ringgit and TM's acting CEO and Chief Operating Officer Imri Mokhtar said 2018 was one of the most challenging times TM has ever faced. Yeah, I think... Uh, this year and uh, possibly last year is the year of a policy influencing corporate fortunes. Uh, we have the government taking over toll roads, the uh, government implementing cheaper broadband speeds, uh, 
cheaper broadband packages and so on. Uh, here's another policy for you. The government is considering a sectoral-based minimum wage. And according to Human Resource Minister M. Kula Segaran, it is allowed under the current law, uh, according to Section 22, uh, subsection 1, subsection B, I sound like a lawyer right now, <laughs> of the National Wages Consultative Council Act of 2011, uh, such recommendations may be taken by the government. Yeah, On the coverage of the recommended, recommended minimum wage by business sector, uh, type of employment, also regional areas. Now, council will make necessary recommendation based on a town hall meeting and um, then propose it to the government. So, Kula did say uh, that he would ensure that the recommendation would help address both employers and employees' concerns in the, in, the, in the country. Yeah, and he targets for a conclusion on this in the next two years. He stressed, though, that the minimum wage, which is about 1,100 ringgit, is maintained. Uh, but they are looking into the possibility of setting more realistic minimum wages according to business sectors. I don't like the sound of all these euphemisms, right? Uh, because it suggests that uh, in certain sectors, the minimum wage may come down, right? If it is allowed for the government to adjust policy on minimum wages, uh, you can use it to at, at least push it up, uh, not making it come down because there are heavy cost of living pressures uh, in, in especially the, the foreign migrant workers who are helping us sustain the economy, right? And also in the B40 group. So this sounds like an excuse to lower minimum wages in certain industries. That's a good point, Jules, because I think when why, why he said this with regards to setting realistic minimum wages according to business sectors, I think it was based on feedback from employees and sub where they say the increase in minimum wage could you know, see a steep jump for them and lead to higher cost of operations. Yeah, and I think last week we did speak, we did have a, a coverage on the National Wage Index where some of the things that we were discussing is about whether or not should we set the price first or should we measure the productivity and then the minimum wage comes, back, uh, comes into play. So uh, I think this will continue to unravel and uh, the news is coming up. But after that, uh, we'll talk about the Trump and Kim Summit, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.